0: uh, I don't don't bring my ephod out very often. When I I bring this thing out, I mean, like King David, anytime he said, get my ephod out, to pray, And I'm very sensitive to this thing. If you ever see me get that thing on, you realize, he means business when he's got that on, so we brought it out to that. We mean kingdom business, so God's going to help you out today, I promise you. Leviticus chapter 23. Let's begin in verse 1. Let's read. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The Feast of the Lord. Now, I understand that right there. You can go through the whole book of Leviticus today. But there were seven feasts. Three of them in the spring, one in the summer, and three in the fall. The three in the spring, the very first one was Passover. What we're talking about today. Next week is the Feast of the Unleavened. And then the last one is the Feast of the First Springs. In the middle of the summer we'll call weeks for Pentecost, and in the fall is uh, the, the the feast of the trumpets, jubilee, uh, and the feast of the tabernacles. So we're going to hit these, Now, I want you to keep reading here and explain some of the feasts. He goes on to say, "The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim, to be a holy convocation." Now, guys, that these, the these these feasts were so big, they were appointed time, and the word convocation means to assemble together. So they were, to, to these appointed times, they were a little simple together. I'm telling you guys, when they came together and assembled together, it was a party. I mean, it was a feast. It wasn't a sober time. It was a great time. They danced before the Lord, and they were excited to come. Now, that congregation complication can jump over where we get the word ecclesia, which means the church. So they had an appointed time. At the church, it wasn't just wanting to have church, it was wanting to be the church. And it's the same with people. Hey, we come in this place, we ought to roll.
1: We ought to be excited.
0: I hate that some of you are more excited about the, the, the NCAA basketball tournament than that's that's where we're over the Texas Cup. are going back in line around here. Now, he goes on to say, a congregation or a holy congregation. These are my feasts. Now the purpose of these feasts was practical. It was spiritual. They would renew their covenant identity with God. And it was also prophetic that they wanted to know what's up with God right now. What's of God's agenda for our life? I believe that's the same with us. He read. Verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy congregation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month of twilight is the Lord's Passover. Now, this was celebrated in the month they called Nisan and fell in March or early April. And when you, you look at the, the Passover, it's something that they did back then, but they still do today. And I believe the purpose of that is God never wanted them to forget what happened. But what did happen? What was the past ever worked off of? But remember when God spoke to Moses and He said, "Go into Egypt and get my my children, get my people out of there." So Moses goes in, and remember, He tells the Pharaoh. Let my people go. Most, and the Pharaoh ultimately just laughed at it. Well, then Moses goes back and with nine different plagues, from waking up to frogs in their bed, to the locusts, to the rivers that turned them, all the different ones, And you know what? The Pharaoh still didn't budge. So now God tells him, he said, I'm going to give him a tenth plague, and it's going to be called the death of the firstborn this is what this is about. So to understand this a little better, why they celebrate Passover, and what it means to us, look back to the, to the letter, to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And let's learn from this. About. Okay, this is going to be good. This is going to get on the inside of okay, you. This is going to help you today. Exodus 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be the beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to well, you. The Jews have two different calendars, so don't let that you right there. Verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a man. Who is every man? Another point right here, but it says a man. According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. and So you can know a couple of things right there. Number one, that that lamb would be significant for man. Also, God for your own household. Now when I read that, it's one thing for me to believe God for my own life, but what happens when we believe God for our whole entire household? And I believe it's biblical, guys, that we need place where this happens. Now understand this, they had to obey what God said, number one, but number two, they had to believe what God said. Do you know what that tells me?
1: They had no
0: guarantee except the word of God. Same as us guys. Even as strange as some of this may have seemed to them, and even sometimes the word of God seems strange to I still got to obey the word of God, but I got to step out there by faith and receive what God says by me and be doers of the word, not ears only. And so when you look at this here, he says, a lamb. Some of the significance of the lamb, one of the first times you see the lamb referenced in the Bible is in Genesis 22. And there was a man named Abraham who had a son named Isaac, and Abraham was going to offer Isaac up. He was going to sacrifice and Genesis 22, verse 7, Isaac said this to his father. He said, "Where is the lamb?" And in verse 8 of that chapter, Abraham responded back. He said, "The Lord will provide for Himself a lamb." Now, the, one of the first references of it in the New Testament was in John 1:21, when John the Baptist was out and about, and he sees Jesus coming up, and John's words said this. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So you're going to see the shadow over and over how a Lamb brought the Israelites out of Egypt to bondage, and how a Lamb named Jesus brings us out of bondage. he do will get better. Verse 4. And if the household is too small for the Lamb, they gave his neighbor next to his house, According to each man's name, you shall make your count of the lamb. Your lamb. Now, I, I can stop right there. But I want you to, to note the progression of what was just said. In verse 3, he said, a lamb. Verse 4, he said, the lamb. But I like verse 5. It gets real personal and it says, my lamb. My lamb. And I believe that's where every one of us has to get with Jesus in our life. See, you may have have heard about a lamb named Jesus. And you may even know about the Lamb. But is he your Lamb? Is he your Lamb? Now look at some of the instructions they give about this lamb. He said, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And it's interesting that he said, this lamb must be male without blemish. 1 Peter 1.19 specifically refers to Jesus as the lamb without blemish. The same thing. And remember, the, the lamb without blemish, when you look at it in the New Testament, Jesus had no sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, and that's what they were looking for. This perfect sacrifice. Verse 6. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. All of them. Now, what did they do from the tenth day to the 14th day of that lamb? They examined it day after day. Make sure it didn't have no blemishes. Why? If it had a blemish, it would be disqualified. Before Jesus himself was crucified, they examined him day after day after day, and in Luke 23, Pilate said this I find no fault in him.
1: So once again,
0: you begin to see how they shadow each other. Verse 7 was on to say, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house. Now think about this, guys. When they sacrificed this lamb, they would take some of the blood and they would put it on the doorposts. And they would put it on the lintel. And in our lives, guys, we take that blood and we put it on the doorposts of our life and right over our head like that. Is I come where it becomes a personal relationship with me that I know I don't know about Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus, and look what it says in the last part of verse seven. And in the lintel of the house where they eat it, now the blood of the lintel and the doorpost it represented two things: it represented God's presence, but also God's protection. And then it said, and they shall eat it. Now, guys, if you looked at the next two verses and saw how they were to eat it, it was very specific. They couldn't just eat it any way they wanted to,
1: they had to
0: follow what Father God said. And it was very precise.
1: You know how that shadows us
0: in the New Testament? Two Sundays now on Easter Sunday, we're going to eat the lamb in a thing called communion. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, it tells us, don't partake of the communion elements in an unworthy manner. And so we have to go in there and do the same thing and understand that there was a sacrifice, but when we partake of that sacrifice, it must be done in our God's it. Now, I can read how they ate it, but I'm going to jump for a time saying say, jump on down with me in verse number 12. Exodus 12, 12. It says, For I, talking about Father God, He said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. You know what their only hope was against judgment being executed on their lives? It was blood. That was their only hope. Without that blood on those doorposts and on that little, execution of judgment would come to their house. Verse number 14 verse 13. Now the blood should be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I send the blood, I will pass over you, and the blood shall not be on you to destroy you, when I strike the land of Egypt. Let me ask you a question here. What was God looking for? Was he looking for perfect people? Was he looking for a sign? The only thing that God was looking for And when the blood was on that doorpost and on that little, it didn't matter how good they had been, how bad they had been, how ugly they had been in their life. None of that mattered. None of that was relevant. The only thing that was relevant, they were under the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to show you in a minute why that's so significant for me and you. But you'll see the exact same thing for me and you verse number 14 so this day shall be to you a memorial you know what I believe Father God was telling him right there don't ever forget what happened here don't you ever let this be a memorial to you and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation you shall keep it as a feast By an everlasting ordinance, you know why God wanted them to keep this everlasting ordinance? Because the Pharaoh, Egypt, it represented the things of the world, and guess what? The Pharaoh of Egypt they bowed, they bowed to the blood of the Lamb, and the blood of the Lamb gave to the Jews a new today, a new tomorrow a freedom, a liberty. And I believe this is why Father God said, don't you ever forget this. Now, what does that mean to me in you as Christians? As believers? Are well, you ready to get blessed? We'll be back in the New Testament 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We have got to get on hold of this today, guys. This is going to set some of you free today. First Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're headed. The blood of the Lamb. Begin with me verse 7. I'm going to read the very first part, brother, fast, and get to the last part where I want to go. Therefore, birds are given to the old oven, that you may be a new or fresh one, since truly you are a level. Listen to this. For indeed Christ, our Passover sacrificed for was Christ. And what did it say he was? He was our Passover. He was our, so if he's our Passover, what do you think that means? What are we going to look for? The blood of the Lamb, once again. And so Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. He fulfilled the prophecy. That's the only way we can be redeemed. you except through Jesus Sacrifice a lamb every year. Jesus was sacrificed for us once and for all. And I do believe it's important that we continually acknowledge what Jesus did for us, day by day by day. And by doing it, you stay under the blood. You stay under the blood of the lamb. Uh, Hebrews nine verse eleven. But Christ came as a high priest. Good things or better things to come. You know what that tells me? We live under a better covenant than they did in the Old Testament. With or through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that's not in this creation. Jesus went with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, Jesus entered the most holy place once and for all. Do you know what that tells me? Jesus is done everything like that he's already done. He doesn't need to do it again. He did it once and for all by his blood. Having obtained an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats, the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling them to make clean sacrifices with the curing of the flesh, that's what they did in the Old Testament. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot or blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? Now, what happens to us, guys, as as human beings? When we begin to sin in life, and every one of us has sinned, every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. What ends up happening is the devil starts coming around and he starts accusing you of everything you've done. In Revelation 12, 10, it said he is the accuser of the brethren.
1: So day by day, you know what he tries
0: to do? He tries to bring up your past.
1: How many of you got a
0: past? Every one of us. And every one of us in this room got stuff that we were shamed of. But right here it says because of the blood of Jesus, he comes in and he cleanses my conscience. And not only does he cleanse my conscience, look what it says at the end, from dead works to serve the living God. So it's twofold right there. When I serve Jesus, number one, I get underneath that blood. It says forgiveness. It said I'm cleansed. That I am a new creation reality. Behold, all things have passed away, but all things have become new in Christ Jesus. And number two, so that I can serve the Lord. Salvation is a big deal, guys. But it's also more than that. He said to serve the Lord. And when you look back, of the new covenant by means of death or by means of his death for the redemption of the transgression. You know what that means? For the redemption of me and you sins. Jesus died for every one of our sins. So it goes on to say under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of this eternal inheritance. Don't you know there's something about the blood of Jesus? You don't earn it. You get hurt. There's nothing you could do to earn that. But it says that you receive that, and to receive that, you receive that by faith. And many times I hear people say, "But I'm not. I'm not right in my life. I need to go and get right." And then I always say, "No, no, no." If you could do it and make it right without Jesus, we wouldn't have a Savior or sacrifice. He's the way you get help. He likes you just as you are. But we must receive it. And so really, verses 11 through 15 that we just read, it's summed up in this way. You and me were bought with a price. And we were paid in full with one sacrifice. And with that sacrifice came a warranty that only Jesus can make. Now, let me describe that warranty just for a little bit. It's not 90 days, same as cash. It doesn't have a 24-month period. It doesn't have a 12-month here. one of the sons of Jacob out of one of the twelve tribes now, I want you to know what it said about Jesus he is the lion of the tribe of Judah when I think about a lion you think about majesty the bible says in 1 Peter 5 the devil walks about like a like roaring lion you know what that says he's a bluff. this right here is the real deal this guy right here, the, the Lord and Savior, Jesus. He's the root of David. And he has prevailed to open the scroll of the lucid seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As though he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that sent out the earth. Then he, the lamb. Jesus came and he took the scroll off the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each having a heart and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I'll tell you, I've got to highlight that one right there. Which are the prayers of the saints. You know what that means? Your prayers don't fall on deaf ears. And when you begin to pray, that there's a golden bowl of incense that the prayers of the saints go into. And when the saints' prayers go into, you know what that means? God begins to work. God begins to move. So listen, don't don't bellyache about your prayer life, And rejoice and say, my prayers are in heaven. Verse 9. Then the angel say to do the new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now if you'll notice that next passage, it says, he has redeemed us. The word redeemed means he has repurchased you. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. No more poverty, no more sickness, and no more death is what that means. That was you and me. You had a chance to shout right there. Some of you missed it. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us as kings and priests to our God. See you know what that tells me right there? Many of us are living beneath our inheritance. He said right there, because of the redemptive power of the blood of the Lamb, He has made us kings and priests. He doesn't. I believe Jesus said, I want you to begin to see yourself that way. And we shall reign where? On the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. You know what, guys, to the Jews, to the Israelites, the Passover Lamb meant freedom. It meant victory. But it can be the same to you And how can it? I go back to what we Read about the Lamb. Is he a lamb to you? Is he the Lamb? Or is he your Lamb? Is he your Lamb? See, the only way I get to heaven is I receive the Lamb. You know, in heaven is not going to be grandchildren. His children. Because I don't get there off of my mom. I don't get there off of my grandma. The only way I get there is when I receive Jesus as my land. And you know what that means? A personal relationship. So much that his blood comes right over my head and right over my littles and the blood of Jesus it touches my heart.
1: That Jesus to me guys is not
0: a distant figure. Jesus to me guys, he lives in my heart. And that's where I believe he wants everyone of us to understand he can life about this church. washed as white as snow. And he goes on to say, and palm branches in their hand. That says, you know what the palm branch always represents? If you ever look at the leaf of a palm branch, it's shaped in a V. You know what? Victory. V, v, the victory. Victory. And he goes on to say, and then will cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And to the Lamb. You. One more. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. And a lot of you didn't even know this this morning. You were singing Revelations 12. And that's why tonight, a lot of the songs we sing, all they are is the Bible. We are singing the scriptures. It's powerful when you get the Word of God. And that's how I memorize a lot of the Word of God. Beloved, let us love one another. the love God Oh my God for God's love or 12, 4, 7, 8. I can and this For eternity by the blood of the Lamb. And in Revelations 12.10, there's a guy in there called the accuser of the brethren. And you know how you shut the accuser of the brethren up? By the blood of Jesus. And every time he knocks on your door of your life and starts trying to bring up your past, you look at him and say, the blood speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks over my life." And the blood not only has saved me, it's redeemed me, it set me free because the blood of Jesus answers all the devil's accusations. And not only that, guys, the blood of Jesus has satisfied all the charges. And so, today, I don't care who you are. Did you come underneath the blood? Stand up with me this morning. See, this is why.